0: hello and welcome to the last push podcast i just want to shout out to those year 11s who just wrote their first biology GCSE exam a big congratulations well done you got there you did it you persevered you put in all the time you put in all the effort and you got your first one over and done with so well done for you now before you have a little break You need to start moving forwards, keep moving and grooving and thinking about that next exam. So your next exam is going to be your chemistry paper one. So I'm just going to talk you through a few of the starting elements that you need to know about for that one. First things first, you need to know parts of the atom. So you need to know that the center of an atom, you've got the nucleus and inside the nucleus there are protons and neutrons protons have a positive charge, neutrons have a neutral charge. So overall the charge of a nucleus is actually positive. Then you have got shells or outer energy levels and on those shells you've got electrons and those are smaller than the protons and neutrons and they're also negatively charged. So if you think about your protons and electrons they're going to end up equaling each other and canceling each other out so the charge the overall charge of an atom is going to be neutral now if you're taking a look at your periodic table because you're gonna get one on your exam your mass number is the top number Um, so for example if you've got lithium it will have seven on the top and three at the bottom so seven would be the mass number and it represents the number of protons and neutrons together in the nucleus then you have got your atomic number which is down below so again if you've got lithium seven and three three would be the atomic number and three would represent the number of protons it also in a regular atom will represent the number of electrons it does not represent the number of electrons if we're talking about ions Because an ion is something that has lost or gained an electron. So, for example, lithium has three electrons normally, but if it loses one electron, it would be a plus one ion. And another example is chlorine. Chlorine's in group seven, so if chlorine gains an electron, it would get a negative one charge. And the last thing that you need to be able to do with your periodic table is calculate the number of neutrons. And how I like to say it is you just do top, take away the bottom, or you actually take away the mass number from the atomic number. So for example, if you've got lithium, which is seven, take away three, you will get four neutrons. So that's how you're gonna use your periodic table to do that. Now, the second thing, that is a really, really big topic that you need to know is your different bondings. So for example, you've got ionic bonding, covalent bonding, and then you've got metallic bonding. With ionic bonding, it's gonna be between a metal and a non-metal. So for example, any group one metal will transfer its electrons to group seven non-metals. Or any group two metals will transfer their electrons to any group six non-metals. And with an ionic bond, it's always going to be a transfer of electrons. And the whole goal of it is you're either going to lose one electron, lose two electrons, or gain one electron, or gain two electrons to have a full outer shell. Because that is the goal of ionic bonding. You want to get a full outer shell to reach noble gas status. The second type of bond is going to be covalent bonding. Covalent bonding, it sounds similar to the name. So co co means sharing so covalent bond is you're going to have two or more nonmetals which are going to be sharing electrons to get a full outer shell so two or more nonmetals sharing a f- electrons to get a full outer shell so for example you could have carbon which is in group four and it could be bound to four hydrogens and each one of those hydrogens will share one electron with the carbon so that carbon will have a grand total of eight electrons in its outer shell and both of the hydrogens will also be sharing one of those electrons with the carbon so each of the hydrogens will have a full outer shell the last and final type of bonding is metallic bonding and it is like it says in the name it's between metals so two or more metals What happens is the metals will lose electrons to become positive metal ions and you'll have delocalized electrons which are able to flow and move and that can cause currents to happen and that's like your copper wires for example. So those are your three types of bonding. And you have to be able to answer those in terms of four mark questions with potentially adding some diagrams in. So with your ionic bonding, you're going to have your, your ions and you're going to be able to show the electrons in there with arrows. So group one metals will have arrows transferring over to group seven and group two will have arrows transferring over to group six. And then with your covalent bonds, those circles or those shells are actually going to be interlapped together and you're going to do a dot and cross diagram, which will show the sharing of those electrons. So that's covalent bonding and ionic bonding. What I suggest you do is before the night before the exam, you actually take a look, um, Google some images so you can see what they look like some of the other big things that come up in your chemistry paper one you're going to have um, electrolysis which is a required practical it's quite a big required practical and you're also going to have making copper salt crystals those two required practicals what i suggest you do is actually go back through them again know the methods know some different examples so electrolysis is usually done with copper sulfates that's a good example and you can also make crystals or salts with copper sulfate as well so have a double check look at the method for both of those required practicals as one or both of them will definitely come up on your exam so get out there get revising and good luck for your next exam